listening to the Crosscheck NHL Show, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark. Hi, and welcome to the Crosscheck NHL Show. This is our final show. Mary and I are both leaving the Locked On Podcast Network, and uh, it's a bittersweet goodbye because... You know, obviously, we're moving on to things that uh, are going to take all of our attention, but uh, we'll miss uh, hanging out with each other twice a week and talking about hockey and hockey culture and pop culture and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. we've got a great last show for you today. We've got uh, a wide range of topics. Uh, Kevin Fiala was traded. We all knew it was going to happen at some point this offseason just because of the contract pending and the cap crunch that the Minnesota Wild are under right now because of the buyouts for Suter and Parise. But let's look at the details of that. Uh, We're also going to talk about Nathan McKinnon, who, you know, obviously just got to host the Stanley Cup. But uh, some interesting revelations that expand on his whole diet stuff uh, with the Colorado Avalanche and the way McKinnon behaves behind the scenes. In an article by Greg Wyshynski, we're going to talk about that. And then hometown hockey up here in Canada was canceled. This week, uh, as Sportsnet continues to pare down and cut costs, we're going to talk about that and also with an eye on, you know, how to improve hockey coverage going forward and how to grow the game. And then we'll do our pop culture segment as per usual. But uh, Mary, how is uh, your final week at Locked On treating you? Oh, <laughs> uh, it's good. It's to me, it's just another week. I know we're in the summer months. Uh, by the time you guys hear this, it'll be July 1st. Um, so uh we're really in the thick of the off season now but that doesn't mean work is stopping for me so you know busy but good everything is going well like like you said this is this is bittersweet i will miss talking to you twice a week about hockey you said hockey culture and i'm like i don't know if i'll miss that i i'm not a big (laughs) fan of like we've talked about it the nhl's uh culture is not great and it always sucked to have to talk about it it was they're important conversations and i hope you know we can still have them um, like on our own personal time and then whatever uh, other jobs that we do to, you know, help further the conversation. But still, it was never fun to do those. But thankfully, you being there made it at least easier to do. But um, yeah, I'm doing well. I'm just uh, looking forward to this final episode because, you know, like I said, it's bittersweet, but it is uh, it is needed for the both of us, I think. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we need to spend some time. I mean, I've had less to do this week than I've had <laughs> since September. So I, I've taken the last couple of days good, just good. as an excuse to be like completely lazy and do you almost nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Catch up on some articles that I've had open in tabs for like three months. Oh, are you one of those people that keeps your keeps like the tabs open in like yeah. like until you read them? I have a I use I use like Twitter bookmarks or like a different app to like keep stuff bookmarked and then like because i don't want to clutter all my tabs i like oh, no, i man. like the feeling of closing tabs when i'm done with like my work or something like that so no i do not yeah see that. i i like the feeling of closing tabs as well but i like to close like as i finish there's too many there's too many no well. yeah see usually it happens that i like open something and I'm like i'm gonna read that and then a month goes by and then two months no. goes by and then i'm like am i gonna read this no things only <laughs> last i give up Things only last on my tab thing, unless it's like, like I keep stuff like, you know, Twitter and stuff like that most of the time up or whatever. But like there's like certain things that I keep up. But like if it's anything like longer than day, uh, I usually finish. And if not, I save it to another app or something to come back to later when I had I don't have anything to do. 
Yeah, I hear that. I I keep a lot of stuff open just because like I have. Yeah, you know, I have friends. Media. I have friends that are like that, and we make fun of them because of the amount of tabs that they have. I'm like, how do you find anything on your internet bar? It must I be mean, so difficult. Different windows, right? You don't have to have all your tabs mm. open in the same window. That's See, I'm point. I'm like I open all the tabs, but then when it comes to like my phone, I cannot have a red dot. Yeah, same. Anywhere. All right, all right, good, good. I'm like, glad we're the same in that regard. The people like our good friend Laura Saba from Lockdown oh, no. Canadians, who has like thirty thousand emails on her phone. Mm. I'm like, that would give me anxiety. I would not be yeah. able to sleep. Yeah, that would give me anxiety. That and the text messages can't do it. Yep. Terrible. Oh, no, just I have to check things immediately. I have mm -hmm. to. Yeah, no choice. All right. So Kevin Fiala was traded from the Minnesota Wild to the LA Kings. The Kings continue to beef up uh, and you know accelerate their rebuild in a way that makes a lot of sense. Kevin Fiala is a very good player. Just had, I don't know. I, I'd call it a breakout year, but yeah, uh, it, it's a it was a really really strong year from Fiala after kind of teasing that he would be a great player for the last several years. Immediately signed into a seven-year contract extension worth an average of just under $8 million, 7.875. It's pretty rich, but understandable. I uh, scored 33 goals last year. I didn't realize he had 85 points. Yeah, it, was, it kind what? of felt like a, a, a like a stealthy, really good season on the wild. Like I feel like, like that it, happens a lot with like the wild last year. Mm -hmm. Like, Do people realize how many points Kaprizov put up? Uh Oh, boy. Is it... it I don't think it's more than a hundred, is it? There's no way. There's, there's I'm no way. I'm pretty sure it was over a hundred. Oh, mean, last really? year was a crazy year for offense. Yeah, he had a hundred oh, points again. last year. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a good point. Forty-seven goals, Mary Kirill wow. Kaprizov. And remember, the first few games of the season, there were people in the Minnesota fan base who were freaking out because I think he went like the first five mm -hmm. to eight games yeah. without a goal. Like this guy, pay him his money, coming over from Russia, and immediately he's a bum. Mm -hmm. Well, forty-seven goals in the last like. 70-ish games of the season. Yeah, that's pretty Man. good. Incredible. Uh, yeah, I mean, Fiala's going to be a really good pickup for the Kings. Uh, I know that last year I had them, like, had the Kings as, like, a dark horse pick to make the playoffs, and they did. Obviously, you know, they were, you know, taken out by Edmonton in the first round, but I really think that this Kings team, especially with this addition, and there's, I think, room for them to continue to make more. Uh, they're out of their like rebuild phase, as it were, like retooling oh, yeah. phase, as it were. Like this is this is a team that is looking to make some noise. Obviously, they're not going to be a top contender. I don't think. Uh, I think they're still weak in a in a couple of areas. And you know, is Jonathan Quick still going to be their goalie for next year? And that's like kind of it can be hit or miss, uh, depending on you know which Jonathan Quick shows up basically, and he's not getting any younger either. But this Kings team is, you know. I'm really looking forward to see what they do because, you know, they've got some great pieces, a lot of young pieces, too. And Fiala is only, what, 25? Um, and he just had the best season of his career. So we think he's still in his prime years. Um, so that's good for the Kings if, you know, they want to, you know, make some noise, maybe win around. Uh, it's very possible, especially in the West and in the Pacific, especially. So. You know, this is all good stuff from the Kings here. And like I said, I'm really looking forward to seeing what they're going to do next year because, you know, I they, they made some they made more noise, I think, than people were expecting this year. And I don't think, you know, people will continue to sleep on them, uh, especially if no. they make if they make more moves like this, because this is only the beginning. Free agency doesn't begin until, you know, I think less than two weeks from now. And, you know, the draft is coming up next week. So, you know, there's a lot more room for the Kings to make moves here. And I expect them to continue to be busy. 
Yeah, and I think the Kings, the big thing for them is, like, look how hard they played the Oilers compared yeah. to Calgary, mm-hmm. right? Like, Calgary could not keep up with the Oilers overall in terms of scoring. The the Kings, without Doughty, had a much easier time yeah. shutting down the Oilers, right? Even with Jonathan Quick, who was, like, okay yeah. in that first-round series. So it it's on top of how good the Kings already were last year, that was without a lot of their young players really being big contributors, like, Kempe is, I guess, no longer really a young, young player, but he's a, a big time contributor now. But, uh, you know, Quinton Byfield is only 19. Mm, he's yeah. going to get a lot better. <laughs> and they uh, have a bunch of players like that. Like Arthur Kaliev is really good. Mm-hmm. He's 21. Uh, Rasmus Kupari started looking pretty good last year. They've got some really good young defensive prospects as well. LA King, the LA Kings have a really stocked system. So they're in a great position where they've mm-hmm. added all this. Like you've got Kopitar and Dano there to hold you together defensively. And then you can add a, a guy like Kevin Fiala, who's more of a free roaming offensive guy. Who's really exciting. That's almost a perfect fit, you know, and yeah. they gave up a first round pick this year. Sure. 19th overall though. That's not, you know, a lottery pick or anything mm-hmm. for, for Kevin Fiala, who just had 85 points in the prime of his career. I I love this for L.A. I, mm-hmm. I do f- kind of feel bad for Minnesota yeah. because they're getting punished so harshly on mm-hmm. the cap and they, they're they forced into this situation, especially considering last year was like there. We need to compete because this is this cap crunch is coming year and they got eliminated in the first round. Yeah. But uh, yeah, not. Not the best return for Fiala, I'll say. Like, Brock Faber seems to be, like, a decent prospect, but I don't know if he's necessarily great. Mm-hmm. Looks like a defensive defenseman playing in the University of Minnesota right now. But I guess, like, they didn't get hosed either. It depends on who they yeah. pick in the first round. Yeah, it's it's tough for Minnesota, because like you said, the cap crunch is really screwed them here. Um, yeah, they didn't have a lot of leverage, right? No. And, you know, it's it's tough to deal from a position like a position like that. Um, and, you know, I'm scrolling through their, you know, cap friendly page and I'm looking at the age, the average age of their defensemen. Uh, I mean, this includes like everybody in there, you know, that's signed on their roster to seven players. It's twenty nine point six is their average age. They're, the wild are in a weird position where it's almost like the Kings were where they have a lot of really older players, but then also some really good young pieces like Kaprizov, obviously. Um, but they're they're just in a weird place with their identity and it's like they want to compete and i mean of course why wouldn't you because you know you've got kaprizov who's 25 and is you know putting up 108 points and you know apparently we all forget that he put up over 100 points in this past year um but they're, they're just in a very weird spot to me and i don't know how you like like you're already you you lost Fiala coming into this offseason. Now now how do you get better? Like you're you're already They're down. They're not gonna be better this year. Yeah, like I it, mean, it's it's can, hard. Can Kaprizov even match that season? Like even in the playoffs. Yeah. What more could you expect from him? He got he had seven goals in six games, Mary. Yeah. I mean like it's he did everything you could him. want. You could, yeah, you he did everything you could want a superstar to do. And that's the big issue for the Minnesota Wild, is they need everyone around them to be better but like Matt Zuccarello's 34 he's not mm-hmm. getting any better Joel Erickson Eck is already fantastic but at 25 that's what he is right he's not yep. getting any better Marcus Felino 30 30 Jordan Greenway 25 Tyson Jost like I don't I don't really love Tyson Jost Ryan Hartman had a career year doubt that gets replicated even yeah. though he's turned himself into a good little player like their defensive core Jared Spurgeon fantastic player 
32. Mm-hmm. Jonas Brodin, great defensive player, 28. So, like, they have a lot of these players signed to, to like, decent contracts. But, like, Matt Dumba, 27. He's a UFA next year. Like, they don't have a lot of versatility. Yeah, that's just it's really just... Kaprizov is kind of the one-man show here. It feels like, and you know, like the like, there's no major supporting cast behind him that can you know continue to elevate the rest of the team. Like, mm-hmm. it just feels like it's Kaprizov's show, and then they've got good players, but nobody really like like if Kaprizov's at the top of the tier, like you're missing somebody in the tier between Kaprizov and then the rest of the team. Basically, is what it feels like to me. I don't know how you fix that. Um, maybe you just kind of, you know keep everything bandaged together this year as possible. And then next year when a whole bunch of your contracts come up, you can, you know, kind of switch things around. Cause Kaprizov's still going to be good. Like he's 25. He'll be, I don't know when his birthday is and when he turns 26, but you know, like it's only a year and you know, Kaprizov will still be in his prime by the time the 2023, 24 season rolls around. So maybe that's something you do not take a punt on the next year, but like it kind of feels like you have to in a way because like I mean with with twelve million dollars of dead cap space next year, and fourteen point seven the year after, and fourteen point seven the oh year God. after, right? You're stuck the... for three years. Yeah, that's right because of the the buyouts to Parise and Suter. Yeah, I would not that. be surprised. Oh. <laughs> Two names that I would expect the Minnesota Wild to move over the next couple of months here: Matt Dumba, mm-hmm. upcoming UFA, and Matt Zuccarello. Because he only has two years left. He's 34 years old. Matt Zuccarello will want like his one last kick at the can to win a Stanley Cup, yeah. right? I know he's he happy is, in Minnesota, yeah. but mm-hmm. they need to move out some salary and build their their crew, their crew sorry, of like 20 to 22-year-olds yeah. that can be ready three years from now. Yeah, that's basically what the Wild need to do. And it yeah. sucks because, you know, Kaprizov's still going to be great and like he's going to give them at least a fighting chance to get into – um you know the wild card because that's the kind of player he is but it's, it's just i mean this was coming for the wild it felt like especially with you know the prise and suitor buyouts like it's just yeah i mean you've got cam talbot signed this year as your goalie and you know he could be hit or miss too like i know he's had you know some you know sparks of brilliance sometimes but you know he's he's just an average fine goalie and you yeah know, there's there, there's but he also comes off the books after the season so to me this feels like a wild team that will take a step back this upcoming season but maybe it's for the best if they can you know like move out some of their older like older players and you know expiring contracts and whatnot and you know try and build like you said a younger core of players around Kaprizov to you know really be competitive uh in the in the seasons to come yeah, it's one of those situations where you don't really want to miss the playoffs ever, yeah. but it would probably benefit them to miss the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I feel like L.A. has just put themselves in such a good situation here. If Quinton Byfield becomes half of what he is expected to be this coming season, that mm-hmm. one, two, three punch down the middle is going to be oh. devastating. It's yeah. going to be a very tough matchup game for anyone who faces the L.A. Kings. Oh. But uh, let's move on from the Fiala trade because... We beat it into the into the dark, but uh, we don't need to. We don't need to beat it to death. There's going to be more action throughout the offseason here for everyone to talk about. Uh, not us, obviously, but uh, everyone else at the Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, but first, I got to tell you about. Well, I guess I should tease our next segment here. Do things right. Uh, we're going to talk about Nathan McKinnon. And uh, is Nathan McKinnon's behavior behind the scenes acceptable now that the Colorado Avalanche have won the Stanley Cup, or? Is there more to this situation that uh, we need to talk about? But first, I got to tell you about Bet Online. 
BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's NHL playoffs and Major League Baseball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sport wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. So, Nathan McKinnon, uh, I guess it was last summer, Mary, went kind of viral after Nikita Zadorov. Mm-hmm. posted that uh, he replaced all the pasta with chickpea pasta and would like get on people for uh, eating the wrong things and basically mm-hmm. controlled the diets of his teammates. And uh, I guess Nathan McKinnon reached out to Zadorov and told him like, stop talking. About <laughs> stop me. talking about me basically <laughs> to that effect. Yeah. Yeah. But then more has come out about Nathan McKinnon and this is more from the horse's mouth and current and former teammates that is told in a positive way mm-hmm. from his former teammates and from Greg Wyshynski, but some of the behavior described in Nathan McKinnon's uh, behind-the-scenes stuff to me is a little bit over the top. And I know a lot of people are going to say, well, they won the Stanley Cup, so this is acceptable. And anyone who watched The Last Dance with Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls will see some familiar patterns and think, hey, you know what? Maybe elite athletes just act this way and it's necessary to motivate people to be like almost like a bully yeah. because a lot of this stuff is frankly bullying. And uh, Ian Cole, who describes himself as a friend of McKinnon, says that uh, this was, you know, like him holding people accountable, right? Mm-hmm. Or he would call people fat if they were uh, not entirely fit or not fit enough for his view he would scream at people and get in their face for screwing up plays. And I think some of this is relatively ubiquitous across team sports, right? Where the elite players do get on people a lot and they demand excellence. And I think there's a difference between demanding excellence and abusive behavior. And I think Mm -hmm. the descriptions of what's going on or what has gone on with Nathan McKinnon and the Colorado Avalanche goes a little bit over that line for me. Mm-hmm. And I understand people are going to probably hear that and say like, oh, well, you know, the pansification of society today and why can't uh, this is what athletes need to motiv- motivate each other. Like every study that exists on like motivation and self-improvement says that this kind of behavior doesn't actually work for most people. There's some people it does. But most people don't actually improve their play or their fitness or their work performance by being screamed at. It's it's not an effective strategy. Now, people will say, well, he won the cup. Did he win the cup because he screamed at people or were the Colorado Avalanche really friggin' good? No. What's that? Is it the correlation does not equal causation? Am I using that correctly? Okay, cool. Because, you know, I'm not a logic person. I'm smart. I like to think I'm smart, but sometimes I'm stupid. Uh, But cool. Yeah, that's basically what it is here. they, They won the Stanley Cup, but it wasn't because Nathan McKinnon is like Tom Brady and screamed at them for, you know, eating a piece of candy when, or you know, they should have been eating, I don't know 
something else or you know not eating strawberries whatever it's the same it's the same flavor it's you know like you know tom brady doesn't eat strawberries michael jordan and the whole last dance thing like it's it's they're all very similar uh it's basically like kind of like diva behavior essentially and like earned or not it's still like it's still not the way to motivate people uh it's not very nice sure they won the stanley cup but it's just you know it's not nice but I mean, McCain, like his teammates had very like fond things to say of the guy, like in the. Well, I in mean, the they did just too. win a Stanley Cup with. <laughs> True, I know, but you like, know, I, there's certain parts of it that I think are completely fine. Like mm-hmm. uh, Josh Manson said that like he's intense, uh, he could be scary depending on the player, but he says like, yeah, he gets in your face, but he says like, I expect this from you, and I'm here to win. Like to me, being intense and having high expectations of your teammates is totally fine, but when yeah. it comes to like reaming them out in front of each other and like calling out every little mistake part of me is like listen nathan you're not the captain yeah yeah gabriel landeskog is the captain who calls out nathan mckinnon you're not a player who doesn't make mistakes you're a great Mm -hmm. player but every player makes mistakes so i would like to hear who holds nathan mckinnon accountable Mm because if it's just himself and i'm sure he is hard on himself it's hard to i think accept that that's the the way it should be right because you're not going to scream at yourself you know you might be your own worst critic sure a lot most people are their own harshest critic Mm -hmm. but it's a little bit different when you're belittling someone in front of their teammates versus like in private you're you know like criticizing yourself it's not the same Mm -hmm. so i i'm of two ways on it i think it's a little bit more nuanced than a lot of people are putting out there but at the same time, as a totality, mm-hmm. this does sound like a toxic work environment. Yeah, a toxic work environment, you know. And you make you you bring up a really good point about him not being the captain because like he isn't. And you know, you you know, usually in instances like this where you know a player is like acting out or you know having like i said diva like behavior, um, usually that team is bad and their environment is toxic in a way that's like toxic negativity yeah the the avalanche did win i'm not saying that this is right or anything but like you know they were able to come together and like win a stanley cup together so like not that it didn't not that it wasn't working but like it's just weird you usually don't see this type of thing usually if you hear these type of stories it's because like something is wrong overall in the team core and like they're losing and like whatnot so i don't know what it is about this avalanche team that you know compels them to win so like in the way that they do um but it's i don't think it's necessarily because nathan mckinnon yells at them to not eat candy or pasta or whatever (laughs) uh i think it's just because their team composition is good and they're ultra competitors and stuff like that and it clearly manifests in i was gonna say unhealthy way uh even though he is asking them to be healthy it's manifesting in a way that isn't that is not like conducive to good mental health overall um i mean we'll see if mckinnon changes his ways or whatever now that they've won or it could just be like the lightning where they're like super ultra competitive and want to continue on but like you know i I think a lot of this though stems from the fact that that quote that mckinnon had that like he had been playing in the nhl for so long and he hadn't won anything at all i think it all like this is all wrapped up in the same like you know it's all together like his it's that his drive mentality. he wants to 
yeah. prove himself as a winner, right? And yeah, that, that's what it all. He, he understands from, that right? it's a team game, and like there was a quote from I think it was Logan O'Connor in that article talking about like you know it's a long season and mm-hmm. it nobody's sharp every day, right? You need somebody to hold guys accountable and, and push them that extra mile. I feel like that's true, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think this is the kind of thing. This is the kind of the reason why in hockey you often see when a team is winning, you hear reporters and and uh, people who are insiders talk about how like oh this this room is like so cohesive they're all on the same page. But mm-hmm. as soon as that same team starts losing, it's like oh everybody hates each other. No, it's like um that that conflict doesn't go away right mm-hmm. and conflict when you're winning i think it, it can work and it can like keep you motivated you're like i'm gonna show nathan mckinnon that he doesn't know what he's talking about because mm-hmm. i'm gonna score on the five seconds of power play time that i get after his unit comes off right if you're like the second tier player i'm gonna show him and like that can help when you're winning but when you're losing and things are going wrong all of a sudden there's big personality conflicts and this has happened over and over to all sorts of teams. So like as much as Nathan McKinnon is getting all of the attention for it, I would venture that there's a Nathan McKinnon in this form, like this attitude on almost every single team in the NHL. It reminds me of earlier in the season when, you know, Leon Dreisaitl snapped at whichever reporter it was when the Oilers were in that terrible When he was running streak. down Koskinen, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Um, but then, of course, things changed with the Oilers. They fired their coach, got a new head coach. You know, Mike Smith won on that tear to the end of the season. Like, you know, it is like this happens with hockey teams, and this is certainly not an isolated incident. Um, but it's just the most vocal people have been about and like in talking about it because, you know, they had that interview, which at, was last year sometime, and yeah, it has just been, it's just, you know, we know Nathan McKinnon is like a, like a, he's just, he's hard, he's hard on people. And it is in, to a degree that is unusual for most hockey players. Like not to say that they aren't hard on themselves or other players, but it just feels unusual. But like it, yeah, it's just one of those things where you're. You know, you've got a teammate that is super hard on you and doesn't want you to I just keep coming back to the strawberry thing with Tom Brady. That's all it comes back to <laughs> for me is the strawberry thing. Um, but yeah, it's just I don't know. It's it's, you know, I not to say that the formula worked, because like I said, it is um, the the fact that the, Nathan McKinnon did this uh, did not, you know, does not equal the, you know, the avalanche winning the Stanley Cup. But it's there's clearly something within that team is like we're going to be super competitive and we don't want to lose and you know i hate you nathan mckinnon for making me you know take pasta off of my diet or whatever so i'm going to show you and score but like that the article though was interesting in the fact that it revealed a lot of hockey players are incredibly health conscious i mean it makes sense that they are but like not to say it's that a different Mc- world than uh, not too long ago <laughs> although then yeah. you got like uh, did you see this stuff coming out about like what ovechkin eats before every game no, what is it? It's like the most, it's like a 2000 calorie dinner of like breaded chicken and pasta. And it's like straight out of the 1980s. And it's like, well, you know, some guys are just built different. Yeah, and they I, can I just think do that. Ovechkin is a player you could pop back into that time and he just absolutely fits. Ovechkin is like a timeless hockey player. It's just, yeah, I mean, he would score like 800 goals a season in the 80s. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, he fits, he fits in any era. But yeah, it's just like it, that article is really interesting from like the McKinnon stuff. But like also, like also what I said about like it talks about, you know, his friendship with, uh, 
Sidney Crosby, uh, which is a huge thing for him. Um, Like I said, it also talks about like players are super health conscious about their diet. I think that said like Kale McCarr is like gluten free, dairy free, all that stuff. So like that type of mentality is, I don't want to say the norm in hockey teams, but it is more prevalent than it used to be. And sure, you've got your Alex Ovechkins with your pasta and, uh, you know, Claude Giroux used to have grilled cheese before games or whatever. So like everybody has their special quirks, but it feels like teams are more in the health conscious department overall. So like it shouldn't really necessarily be a surprise. No, no. I mean, I think there's far more rigid control of everything nowadays mm. uh, it's, it's just sports it's science. totally yeah, yeah. Every, they have mo- so much more access to information now mm. and because there's you know 32 teams in the league a salary cap teams look for every possible advantage right mm-hmm. uh, whether it's like different kinds of workouts for getting away from injuries or whatever it, they do everything possible to uh, yeah. to have an advantage and that includes having the best diet possible. Although mm-hmm. uh, I think a lot of what NHLers buy into is bullshit because it's like the juice. Cl- it's like juice cleansing. Like... Yeah. Yeah. You see a lot of that. It's like Michael Phelps with cupping, right? He's yeah. not winning s- swimming races because of cupping. He's winning swimming races because he's an elite he's got, athlete. And he's, he has he's the also perfect got swimmer body, right? Yeah. He's got this perfect swimmer body and extra long arms or whatever. Yeah. He's got like is. fins on him. He's a mutant, yeah. but yeah, mm-hmm. it's, Athletes will buy into whatever they think will give them an advantage, but uh, we'll end it there. We're going to talk next about the future of hockey coverage, including canceling of hometown hockey by Hockey Night in Canada and Sportsnet up here in Canada. But first, I got to tell you about Built Bar. From the people who invented healthy and tasty comes the latest gift to your taste buds. You've probably tried the amazing coconut brownie chunk Built Bar, but guess what? Your friends have built at Built have given the coconut brownie chunk the puffs treatment. That's right, Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Bar. Uh, the Coconut J- Brownie Chunk Built Bar flavor that you love in a delicious, chewy marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate. It's like a fluffy cloud of coconut brownie goodness. Stop drooling and listen, they're good for you. Low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and all delicious. Coconut Brownie Chunk Puffs are here for only a limited time. Go to Built.com right now to make sure that you don't miss out. They're going fast because they taste amazing. All Built Bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. Eat something that tastes good and is good for you. The best part about Built Puffs is, of course, they taste amazing, but you can enjoy them guilt-free because they're actually good for you. They're the perfect treat, perfect for when you have a craving you need to satisfy with your sweet tooth, or if you need a quick, healthy snack. They're an excellent source of protein. Delicious coconut-rich sweet brownie, Creamy marshmallow, stop fantasizing. Go to built.com to order your box of coconut brownie chunk built puffs right now. Go to built.com, use promo code LOCK15, and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. So, Mary, I don't know if you know of Hometown Hockey because it's a Canadian broadcast and, and you're American. <laughs> Finally, we get one last jab of the American versus Canadian thing. Well, it's we not a jab. Podcast. It's just how would you know about it? I'm unless familiar we talk about it on with it. I'm familiar with it in terms of like the brand name, but obviously I've never watched it because yeah, I'm okay. from America. <laughs> so for those who don't know, I'll do a quick explainer. Essentially, <laughs> it started out on Sundays and it moved to Mondays over the last season or two, I think. But uh, Hometown Hockey was a broadcast where they would broadcast an NHL game, but the actual intermissions 
and the broadcast would be from like a random town in Canada. It would move every week across the country and they'd tell stories in those intermissions of like what hockey means to that town, uh, players from that town who are in the NHL or used to be the NHL. They'd have like guests who used to play from that town. It, it was kind of like a, a broadcast that connected hockey to the cultural fabric of Canada, whether it was like a small town, a bigger city like Montreal or out in like uh, an, an indigenous area where they would have like former indigenous players, stuff like that. It was something that was very expensive to put forth because they're traveling mm-hmm. with broadcast equipment. You know, you had Ron McLean who was hosting hockey night in Canada on Saturday and then Sunday or Monday is flying across somewhere else. And Tara Sloan was his regular co-host who is uh, fantastic. So I found like the broadcasts themselves are very like, homey like uh they're not necessarily modern they're they're very connected to grassroots uh, Mm -hmm. of the sport in canada and that doesn't appeal to everyone 100 percent. but i do think this is a loss because a lot of hockey coverage now is just so corporate like we saw all the complaining during the playoffs of like every 30 seconds they're talking about betting right and Mm -hmm. Frankly, betting companies are paying the bills right now. That's how hockey is surviving in a climate where, frankly, the sport I don't think is making that much money. As much as Gary Bettman likes to tout their increased revenue this year, I mean, they increased, I think it was like $200 million while adding a, a team that was worth $700 million or something like <laughs> that. And then the new TV deal, which is worth like billions. So. Yeah the game itself is not expanding that well. Although the viewership numbers on in America did great this year, obviously on ESPN and TNT, big positives for that. But in Canada, it's not growing. And I think that there's, there's a bit of a loss here in terms of, you know, losing some cultural identity with this. But at the same time, I know that there's some people who had issues with the way this broadcast was, because it was kind of uh, like colonial in a way. Mm hmm. And I'm actually waiting for a link. Somebody wrote like a, a paper on it and I, I haven't got the link yet, but I want to read that after the broadcast, after we're done here. But uh, I'm wondering now, like, what are the next steps going forward to grow the game? Because obviously they're not going to do anything this expensive because corporations got to line their pockets for their executives. And this was an easy thing to cut. But Sportsnet still has to broadcast games. So I look at, Sportsnet, I look at TSN, I look at ESPN and TNT. And Mary, I asked the question, what do you want to see going forward to help grow the game that the broadcast can do that, uh, like ignoring what happens on the ice? Yeah. So that's always the tough thing with hockey is like it's a it's a niche sport, even if it's one of the big four in North America, it is still a niche sport. And it's, you know, that it's hard to buy in um, like tickets are expensive um and it's like it seems almost unintelligible like in certain ways uh with its on ice product um and obviously the nhl nhl seems to push people away uh with you know everything that goes on in its hockey culture and what have you um i think this hometown hockey thing like it sucks to lose it but i there could be opportunity here to you know try and build some sort of show or thing that helps get like 
younger hockey fans into this because I think that's that's where the NHL is going to need to see growth is like you know it's got it's got people like us Andrew and you know I'm approaching 30 so you know I'm in that demographic now I'm yep. not a child uh it, it needs to get the Gen Z people and like I know that the NHL tried it with I don't know some sort of TikToker dude oh um, yeah did not no. I don't think that worked I I don't know necessarily how you reach that younger generation um but I think you need to I guess make hockey more fun to younger kids like I <laughs> it's funny because you know I think uh people on Twitter who make like hockey player fan cams they're doing the work for the NHL in getting people interested in hockey and it's not to say to hire uh you know a, a one of those people that makes fan cams but i think that there's something to it that like you know these hockey fans are you know spreading the good word of you know your kale mccars of your i don't know mitch barners like another one of like the the hockey players that like the younger generation has you know really you know hung on to and like i don't know i think there's something there like if you can do it in a way that doesn't seem pandering because you know they don't like like that younger gen like younger generation that like, gen z does not like when you pander to them it needs to be like organic it yeah, needs it to be like like because they know they they can smell corporate nonsense a mile away um and that's kind of what i love about them like i know they're all like make fun of us millennials with our you know avocado toast and our you know adulting or whatever but like you know gen z is They've got good stuff going on. They're, they're smart kids. And I think if you can appeal to them in a way that feels generic and organic, um, you know, I think that will be the way I would go. It's just, I don't know how you go about doing that because like, you know, I don't have the numbers. I'm also not a Gen Z, so I don't know what would appeal to them. But I know that like I've seen like on hockey Twitter, like, you know, fans with their fun, cute little fan cams and stuff like that. And, you know, the jokes and the memes, but I don't know how that would translate to some sort of broadcast thing. I don't know how, like, you know, because it's corporate, like they think in a very corporate way, they're very, they're not going to like branch out of their, of their ways, but I would love to see, you know, in uh, like hometown hockey stead them to try and do something to, you know, bring in the younger audience because, you know, in Canada, I would assume that most of the, not most, but, you know, a large population of adults are fans of hockey because, you know, they grew yeah. up with it. Um, you know, it's ingrained into your culture. It's much like, you know, baseball here or football, like basically like it's it's, yeah, it's got a very like familial tell, aspect to it. You can tell that hockey is like losing the younger generation too. like you see surveys of like uh, yeah. what sport in Toronto where there's multiple teams from different sports, what sports dominating? It's the Raptors. Yeah, I mean, it helps like, that they won, to be fair. But it was before they won. Ooh, all right. Even Never before mind. they won. Like, the Raptors are the team of, like, young Toronto. And yeah. also, like, non-white Toronto, to, to put it yeah. frank. Yeah, I <laughs> like, mean. The, the suburbs, yes, still the Leafs. But uh, the Raptors are definitely the number one team for the younger and kids. It's, yeah, it's it, that's hockey culture, basically, to a T. It's, it's yeah. going to take a lot more than, you know, Sportsnet or TSN to fix it completely. But. You know, maybe there is something you can do. I mean, you can I I was looking up in the article or like an article that, you know, Ron McLean is like 63. I don't know how old Tara Sloan I is. I think he's 62. 62 Tara Sloan's relatively young. She, okay. You like, know, maybe I don't know if you know much about Tara Sloan, but she used to be like the the lead singer of a rock band. Oh, really? She's yeah, she's 48. Oh, OK. But like, you know, 
maybe use this as an opportunity to get you know younger people into the broadcasting space and like you know like i think you know sportsnet did a good job with you know bringing steve dangle into the thing and like into the fold and you know making like cornering his market i know he's not you know like as young as me but he's still you know a young younger person like and well, his, I, his I think audience like, is younger right yeah i think you need to like tap into that market find somebody or you know finds like because you know I don't, I don't know what the broadcasting landscape is like in you know canada but like you know they they probably have their eye on you know people or like people in their you know in, in their organization that you know could run some sort of thing but like you know maybe tap maybe you know keep ron mclean on his hockey night in canada stuff and maybe you know find another show with a young it's like you know a younger audience you know younger hosts you know to bring this kind of perspective because like you know ron mcclain is going to you know like have his like you know hockey canada ideals like we know what they are but i don't think those are going to appeal to younger younger no people. no they're not i think that was one of the problems with hometown hockey is that like mm -hmm. yeah it's it's cool to celebrate that small town stuff and every small town has their stories yeah. right and i feel like it means a lot to those towns to have those celebrations of them but the people who are watching hometown hockey are not young people. No. It, it's, right? it's not appealing it, it to young people. It plays to an older audience. And that that's the thing that like CBC, the, the public broadcaster up here, has yeah. had an issue with for years is they play to a much older audience. And they've got to figure something out. I would not be surprised, not that I have any insider information at all, but I would not be surprised if Steve was involved in something that yeah. they do to replace hometown hockey next year. I'm, it makes sense. Just because it makes sense. He's already their employee. He's doing these like watch a game with Steve Daniel yeah. all the time. So it makes sense to bring that forward. But will Sportsnet have the wherewithal to think forward? I'm not sure. I think most yeah. of the decisions that have been made in broadcasting in Canada over the last several years have been how can we squeeze a little bit more money out of this and not necessarily it's how can easy, we grow this it's easy to look at it from our perspective because you know we're sitting at the outside um but obviously you know in their internals they're probably like trying to market to the younger generation can absolutely blow up in our faces <laughs> like you know oh, it sure. can like it can go very poorly very quickly but you know if they're like let's make another show for the demographic we know is watching that at least know they'll get eyeballs on it or whatever so yeah i like i said i wouldn't be surprised if you know steve dangle is part of that like him and the stuff that he's built and the audience he brings are important and it you know are the future of you know hockey overall and you know if you can tap into that market and figure out, you know, either bring him on to do something or, you know, find something in that vein to do. I think that's like the best way to replace it. It sucks to lose, you know, the home, the hometown hockey aspect part of it, because, you know, it did bring a spotlight to, you know, small communities, small towns, stuff like that. Really cool stories. But like you can do that in a in a digital format, too, if you want to highlight like. You know, people can send videos and stuff online. We live in the, you know, we live in the technology age. It's very possible that we can do that. So, you know, if they're able to keep the spirit of it alive in some regard and just, you know, people want to submit stuff and like, you know, or them to highlight stuff that they've seen online, that's great. But I think, you know, for Sportsnet and, you know, hockey overall in Canada to grow, they're going to need to tap into the, you know, the you know, the younger generation. And, you know, obviously that goes for here in the States too. Um, but it's a lot harder when you've got more things competing for 
uh, your attention, like all the other sports. So it is, uh, it's tough. Yeah. But yeah, it, I think that just those symbolizes everything with hockey culture in general is that like, you know, the, the younger generation is moving more towards, you know, basketball and stuff like that. And, you know, leaving things like hockey by the wayside and it, it feels appropriate essentially, but it sucks because, you know, you want, everybody like you want the nhl to be better you want all of this to be better and you want the people to you know come to the sport and enjoy what we enjoy about it all right well we'll leave it there our final hockey conversation on the crosscheck nhl show is please give us something better that draws in younger people yeah i feel like that's been a through line through our whole show has been we expect better we demand better from broadcasts and hockey coverage in general and Mm -hmm. hopefully we get it in the future i am not optimistic but we'll see (laughs) coming up next it's our pop culture segment but first i gotta tell you about rock auto because this episode is brought to you by rock auto with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing only the brand that their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30, 50, or even 100% more for the same part from a chain store or car dealership? rockauto.com is also a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years with the same prices for every customer. Go explore their easy-to-use website today and find the solution to all of your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts that your car will ever need. rockauto.com So Mary, we don't get to talk about Kenobi this week. We don't even get to. We don't even get to talk about the final two episodes of stranger things which comes this out on friday uh i completely forgot i was telling you before the show i completely forgot that it is july 1st on friday which means it's the final two episodes of stranger things i must say i am concerned for some of the health of the characters that i like please be nice to them um also if you spoil me i'll be very mad uh so don't <laughs> So don't. Uh, but yeah, I I have no idea what you were going to transition into because there's not a whole lot to talk about. But I'm no, no, concerned I mean, for the health talk, of my favorites of Stranger I Things. I saw. Let's talk Stranger Things for a short second right. here because I saw a TikTok the other day that was like my how I would react emotionally if different characters died in Stranger Things, and I started thinking about it. And they were like, they were like, if Steve died, they were just like imagining Dustin's reaction would literally oh, destroy no. them. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah. Yeah, I don't think I could do that. It's mm-hmm. too much. Too attached to Steve Harrington and Dustin. But yeah, I I, I don't know who is acceptable. Somebody's going to die this season for sure. Yeah. And yeah, and I'm I'm concerned that it's, you know, going to be Steve cuz you know, he's it makes it just it makes sense. It it feels it, it just makes sense. You know. They've been talking about him being like unsatisfied and he wants Nancy Nancy back all season long. Mm-hmm. His character arc might be complete. You know, like he's yeah. already the hero. Mm-hmm. Just don't. Just don't kill Steve. <laughs> just don't kill 
Steve, please, or Robin. I love her so much. Oh, and yeah, he's like kill Robin. Steve, Robin, Nancy, and Eddie. Like, you know, I, I think that they've, you know, really got this really awesome core group of like, you know, old, like, you know, semi adults, young adults. Uh, yeah. And the I older really, kids, I just, kinda. yeah, the older kids. Yeah. And I really like them. And I hope that they at least stick around for a little bit like in their like you know core four basically and stick around a little bit longer before one of them dies because i think that there's an untapped potential of their you know like you know their vibes basically it's just it, it would suck to lose one of that and like after getting it so late in the season um i know you had mentioned like we we talked about netflix's weird release schedule yeah it sucks and stuff like that I actually kind of think that the way that they did this Stranger Things season season worlds, they held off on doing like these last two episodes basically a month after the you know the the season. And you know, I've still seen, you know, people talk about Stranger Things. I think it it helps that like TikTok has been, you know, uh like has had that you know chrissy wake up thing if, if you yeah. if you know you know i have that song stuck in my head like all the time anyway so like but like i've seen people talking about like theories people talking about like people dying i think you know i know that we don't necessarily like the you know binge release model but I at least like this version of it where like they they had a good natural end point in like the first half of season four or whatever and you know they're saving like the final two super long episodes so like there's time for us to you know speculate time for us to like you know because like if they had dropped it all at once we wouldn't have time to parse like you know the memes you know the, the the like um the running up that hill stuff probably would have been overshadowed by like whatever happens at the end of the season so like there's at least like I, I at least enjoy it a little bit more than netflix's regular binge thing it still would be better if they had it weekly but the way they they did it they did it yeah i am not going to give them credit for it at all because i saw the duffer brothers say that the only reason that it's like this is because they didn't have enough time to edit the last two episodes all right yeah so, that's fair no credit given whatsoever netflix sorry Fine. not gonna happen for me fair fair enough but, but yeah imagine how big the memes would be if like the running up that hill sequence uh was like that was the end of an episode and then yeah like, a week mean- for the end for like the the conclusion of it that would have been incredible but uh not to be uh i'm not looking forward to having to binge three plus hours on <laughs> canada day because i think the last episode is supposed to be like a feature length movie right it's like two yeah. hours yeah something so, like that i think yeah, i don't know up the, extra late yeah i don't know the full length of them but i, I think it's at least like four hours in total possibly oh at God. least it's yeah i know i know uh which, i mean you know, listen i I love it because I want more with these characters, mm-hmm. but it's a lot to binge in a yes. short amount of time when you have yeah. two young children. <laughs> and you want to avoid spoilers. That's the whole thing. Yes, too, is like that's you the thing. Spoilers. Yeah, it's, it it's tough. You need to be in a certain mindset to binge, at least for me. I know people love their like binging like they love just like watching TV constantly. And maybe that's like me with video games because I really enjoy playing video games, but like I I switch it up. I like, you know, play different things. Like, you know, I go back to like similar things, but you know, I'm always playing like one or two. So like I have some variety. Like I just I, I don't know. I need to be in a specific mindset to binge. And you know, people 
I have a friend who really wants me to watch uh, the Umbrella Academy on Netflix and like, you know, because they've said it's really good and that I would really enjoy it. But it's just like I, I'm not in the mindset to just sit in front of my computer to just watch something for hours. Like I'll do it with Stranger Things because like, you know, I'm already, I'm already bought into Stranger Things. And at this point, I'm too invested. And if I see a spoiler, I'll be very sad. Um, but it's just like one of those things where I have to like commit to like time to just sitting there. <laughs> At yeah, least with yeah. at least with video games, it's more interactive. I'm hitting buttons and I'm like doing more things. You're like, partaking in the story. Right? Yeah, exactly. It's just yeah. it's a little bit more difficult. Like even reading too is like I, I at least have to use my imagination to picture things in my head as they're happening. Uh, TV, I'm just sitting there watching, which is fine. It's just one of those things where like I, I guess I have to just be in the right mindset for it. So at least like it's only two episodes and like four or so hours or whatever i don't know how yeah. long it is but that's fine because i'm already invested it's just hard to get me into another tv show right now where i have to like buy in and you know but it's it's possible i do because like you know the binge mood can strike whenever it's just you know i'm not constantly in that mood where i want to be watching something like that on constantly 100 percent. and uh, speaking of other new things that we're watching i have been watching the boys which, oh yeah uh, I continue to enjoy, but I find the discourse around it is infuriating <laughs> because, you know, we've talked before about like media literacy and and, and mm. that kind of stuff. But uh, I've seen a lot of like hot takes around from like the content creators on Twitter and TikTok about how like the boys does such so much better or cooler stuff than like DC or Marvel do. And they, they like push things further. And it's like, yeah, guys, it's a parody. <laughs> yeah. Like. Nothing the boys have done is original. And like mm -hmm. I I enjoy the show for what it is. I do. But the boys is a parody with all the subtlety of a sledgehammer to the face. <laughs> like nothing they do is that intelligent, right? Mm -hmm. And I do enjoy it. I especially enjoy Butcher and Huey, the, the two main human characters and their interactions, but like they it is not a subtle show it's the same showrunners as supernatural which supernatural had its time in the sun where it was fun and then it went on far too long but like mm -hmm. supernatural was never prestige tv oh, right no. it was no it was camp and the mm -hmm. boys is also camp and like the first episode of this season i don't know if you care if i spoil it no. mary no but like basically do you remember before Endgame came out, there was that whole meme of like Ant Man was going to go up his butthole and expand and yes, blow Thanos yeah. up. The mm -hmm. Thanos meme, right? Well, they basically did that mm -hmm. in the first episode this season, but instead of the butt, it was the pee hole and mm -hmm. it like, blew a guy's penis off. Anyway, people were like, oh my God, Marvel would never. Like, of, of course they wouldn't. <laughs> but like, the reason why the boys did that and the showrunner admitted it is because of the fans the talking yeah. about the meme. Like, they just took a meme from people and put it into the show. Like, mm -hmm. it's not like it's amazing writing or storytelling. Mm -hmm. It's just for fun. And like, yeah, mm -hmm. when you have no rules and an 18A or rated R rating mm -hmm. and you can just do whatever you want and it's for a niche group of people to watch, mm -hmm. then yeah, you have a lot of freedom to do weird stuff. Mm -hmm. But it's not the same in terms of storytelling. Like I saw somebody talking about, uh, uh, Sam, uh, Dean from Supernatural is in it now, and he's okay. playing like this universe's version of, <clears throat> sorry, Captain America. I'm like, oh, they've developed his character more in one episode than they have like anybody in the MCU. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> have you not watched like WandaVision? Mm -hmm. <laughs> have you not watched Loki? 
Mm-hmm. Have you not watched any of these shows? Have you not watched Thor have his like bravado stripped movie after movie by losing his entire family? He's sixteen hundred years old, and over the course of a couple of years, he literally loses his family, his people, his home planet, everything. Mm-hmm. Becomes depressed and has to like rebuild himself back up. Like, I have respect for the boys, but the the way that so many content creators have become like it's become fashionable to be like, well this could never do this because it's too mainstream and it's Disney. Like watch Kenobi and tell me that Disney can't tell a character driven story. Mm-hmm. Like there's too much disrespect for the mouse right now. I have to say <laughs> there's too much disrespect for the mouse. That's how uh, we're going to, that's how we're going to end the cross check. Uh, <laughs> is there anything else I have to say before we go out? Uh, I am looking forward to the new Thor movie, which comes out next month. Um, me too. I think that's really it though. Just like, I'm doing the same thing. You guys, you guys know what I'm about. You guys have heard me talk about the same things in the pop culture segment every week or whatever. True. You guys, you guys know what I'm about. Uh, but yeah, this has been a delight and a joy, Andrew. As always, it's great talking Mutual. hockey with you. Great talking pop culture with you. I almost wish we continue at least with the pop culture stuff because that is at least, for the most part, that is on balance more fun. Like it's not, it's not going to disappoint us in the same way hockey will disappoint us. Like <laughs> sure. Sure. True. We may get disappointed if, you know, one of the, you know, younger adults in Stranger Things dies. Rest in peace, Steve Harrington, <laughs> if that happens. I'm so sorry, buddy. But at least it won't be disappointing in the way that the NHL is disappointing. So, but it, like I said, delight and a joy to, you know, do this podcast, um, have this space to talk about things uh, with you and just with our listeners and watchers um, overall. It's great. Like a year and however many months it's been. Uh, you yeah, know, yeah. Obviously. A year and four months. Yeah, obviously you can find me like on Twitter. That's where I'll be. Uh, so yeah, that's that's. I think that's all I've got. But like I said, just happy with the way this ended, and happy to have done this for as long as we did. Myself as well, and thanks to everyone who listened and watched over the course of the last sixteen months or more. And uh, thanks to Sean Woodley for bringing us together. Yes, and yeah. uh, thanks for making us your first or whatever listen, whatever it was on every <laughs> Tuesday and Friday, sometimes Thursdays earlier on in the show. Thanks to all of the guests that have joined us throughout this. And thanks yeah, to Laura and Rachel, Laura and Rachel for guest hosting mm-hmm. and coming on for our hundredth episode and make your next listen locked on Canadians or locked on flyers to support mm-hmm. Laura and Rachel. And of course their co-hosts as they are fantastic podcasts to get you ready for your favorite teams. And, uh, yeah, I guess we'll catch you on the flip side. Uh, you can always follow Mary on Twitter at Mary C. Clark and myself at Andrew Berkshire. We'll still be around. Yeah. Just uh, elsewhere. So mm-hmm. follow us and uh, see what we're doing. Talk to you sometime in the future on another show.